Welcome to the Brian Thomas Crop Podcast. My name is Brian Thomas Crop, and I believe that stories have a powerful force for good, and so I write them and I enjoy sharing them with you. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, the way the uh, the show kind of goes is I read a chapter out of a story that um, I have written, and then I talk about. A little bit of what's going on in that chapter, some behind the scenes stuff, some Easter eggs that I may have put in there, and I hope that you enjoy that. We're in the, I think today is the third chapter of my first novel called Showdown in the Yukon. It took me many years to write it because there were lots of fits and start, and you can hear uh, more about that uh, story as to why it took so long and some of the different iterations uh, in um, uh, a couple episodes back. You can you can find that one in the, uh, the your subscription because you're subscribed. I know you are. Um, you're listening to all of these. This is great. Um, uh, so we're in uh, chapter three. We're uh, about to sort of get the show on the road, as it were. And um, Monterey is going to meet uh, the people that is going to help propel him into uh, the adventure that we're on. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy this chapter. And I'll talk a little bit more about it on the other side of that. But first, uh, here are this week's sponsors. I also wanted to let you know that Sabrina Cubbins and Mr. Alexander's Pottery Palace is now out in audiobook form. If you listen to the chapters as they came out on this podcast, but would like them all without all of my commentary and all that stuff, uh, then you can just swing over to my author page on Amazon or check them out at audible.com and you can get your very own copy of the audiobook version of Sabrina Cubbins and Mr. Alexander's Pottery Palace. Uh, there's an audiobook too there of Fish Tales. You can grab that too. Uh, if nothing else, you can let other people know if they are more of uh, audiobook people that it's there. You can also leave a review over there on Amazon or Audible as well. That would be much appreciated too. Well, enough of me talking about that. Now on to this week's chapter. Chapter 3 That evening, there was indeed music and dancing in the Hayes House dining room. All of the normal tables were moved to make room for dancing. Paps had seated himself at the piano and banged out tune after tune, each one inspiring the bellows of the miners' dusty voices. The men, largely due to the substantial lack of women in the California gold country, danced jigs and reels with each other, cheering and whooping as the night grew later and louder. Those who chose to sit the dances out sat in the surrounding table, singing along to songs and telling tall tales of their prospecting exploits. Monterey dried the last dish, put the morning dough out to rise, and went to his room in the small shack behind the inn to put on a fresh shirt. As a boss, Paps Montgomery was kind but strict. The story goes he had run a similar establishment back in Kansas before the war and moved out to California while it was still considered frontier. Even so, he liked to keep some level of sophistication in the rough-and-tumble world of gold prospectors, so he invited his employees to join in the evening fun if they wanted to, but only if they wore clean clothes and acted respectably. When Monterey entered the parlor, he took a quick look around to see if he could locate Mac. If he wasn't there, Monterey planned to head for bed. 
His back and feet hurt from standing all day, and he could tell himself he had done his part of hosting his friend well. Not seeing Mac after a few minutes of waiting, Monterey gave up and turned to leave. It was then he spied a beautiful lady standing by herself in the doorway. Her flaxen hair was tied up in a festive bun with a butter-yellow ribbon. Her dress, while not glamorous, was also not frumpy. It was cotton and hand-dyed, from what Monterey could guess, a midnight blue. She seemed to be roughly Monterey's age, and he wondered from what heavenly place she came. The way Mac talked, this woman was not his client. It had been a long while since he had seen a woman that was new to town, not weather-worn, and not Pap's age. All thoughts of him going back to his room vanished like a vapor. "'Excuse me, ma'am, you seem lost,' Monterey said as he approached the young lady. She blushed and curtsied politely. "'I'm sorry,' she said. "'I don't normally come to things like this.' "'No need to be sorry,' said Monterey. "'I can introduce you around if you like. "'Make you feel at home.' He looked her in the eye, which was both the best and worst thing that had happened that day. He felt like he could stare into her eyes for hours, but he also felt like that would be inappropriate having just met her. He blushed and said, "'My name's Jack, but most folks call me Monterey.' She extended her hand. He took it, and a flash of lightning flew through his whole body. "'I'm Lucy.' she said. Lucy Finch. Well, Miss Finch, could I interest you in a dance? She hesitated, looked upstairs quickly, and nodded. Monterey took her to the middle edge of the bellowing miners and joined in a quick polka. Since they were the only dancers at that time and every miner noticed the lady's beauty, there was plenty of space made for them, which Monterey enjoyed not being the best dancer. He could see the mischievous looks in the eyes of the other men in the room and knew he would have a lot to answer for in the coming weeks, but he didn't care. He'd seen her first, and he was glad to hold her in his arms, if only for the moment. "'I see you found our Miss Lucy,' Monterey turned to see who spoke, and there was Mac, standing next to the most severe-looking woman he'd ever seen. He wasn't sure what he had done, but Monterey was confident he was in trouble. "'What?' Monterey said, his mouth suddenly dry. Mac continued, "'You've met Miss Lucy Finch, Monterey. May I now have the distinct pleasure to introduce you to her mother, Gladys?' In an instant, Monterey felt as if he had lost whatever game this was. Mac had made no mention of a daughter, and the fairness of her face distracted him from asking any question of the situation. "'Nice to meet you,' Monterey said, extending his hand to Gladys. Mrs. Finch stayed as she was." "'Mother, I was waiting for you, and—' Lucy began, but a quick, disapproving look from Mrs. Finch forced the thought to trail off. "'Mrs. Finch, this is the young man I hope to join us on our little adventure,' Mac said. "'I see,' said Mrs. Finch. Monterey felt like she was trying to evaluate him down to his soul. "'Monterey and I go way back, and he's now a chef, or, uh, I do whatever Paps tells me.' Monterey forced a smile. He did not want to make things uncomfortable for Mac, and he worked his mind to see how on earth he could turn the heart of Mrs. Finch, though that already seemed impossible. He could have kicked Mac in the shins for not telling him the whole story. If it was one thing Monterey had learned in this brief life of petty crime, it was that success sailed on the buoyancy of details. Monterey bowed slightly to Mrs. Finch and said, "'May I offer you a table and some refreshment? On the house, of course.' Mrs. Finch nodded her head even more slightly and followed Monterey to an empty table followed by Mac and Lucy. Lucy looked back at Monterey and smiled. His heart leaped inside his chest. 
It would be sad to see her go, Monterey thought, and headed to the kitchen to prepare a few plates and drinks for his guests. When Monterey returned to the table, Max said, Please join us, Master Danvers. I was telling Mrs. Finch about our colorful exploits, and I need a corroborating witness to the events. Monterey was not about to miss the opportunity to be near Lucy, and decided that enduring her mother would have to be a part of the price paid. It's been a while since I've done anything like that, I assure you, Monterey told Mrs. Finch. Mrs. Finch, began Mac, I wish I could impress upon our young friend here the importance of his skill on this exploit. He's quite decided to stay in this crust of a town instead of seeing the grand expanse of the Yukon. Turning to Monterey, he said, It is quite spectacular. Have you seen it? Monterey asked. Very nearly, Mac said. I was quite certain, Mr. Sutherland, Mrs. Finch began quite suddenly, from your explanations that the character with whom you were meeting here was your age or better. I'm not sure I ever would have agreed to consign to a pickpocket who was still a youth. It's just as well, sir, she smiled tightly toward Monterey, that your staying here is for the best. Mrs. Finch sipped her water and rearranged the items on her plate without actually eating any of them. Perhaps it was the way she spoke about him, as if he were an object on a shelf. Perhaps it was that she had no idea how good he was even in spite of his youth. Perhaps he still felt terrible for accidentally offending her. Whatever the reason, Monterey could not resist the urge to speak up in his defense. Mrs. Finch, he said, scooting closer to her and leaning forward, I feel I should apologize to you for what happened earlier. I did not know Lucy was your daughter, nor did I know Mac had more than one traveling companion. Do you think a lady should travel alone with a strange man? She said, letting Monterey know he was only digging himself in deeper trouble. He pressed on. That's not for me to say, but I do want to apologize for my forward actions, and I want to make it up to you. I would like to give you a gift. My dear sir, do not think that you can buy me off. She suddenly stopped her mouth frozen between words as Monterey displayed a very delicate bracelet. It was a thin line of gold or brass. Monterey couldn't tell which, and it did not matter. Mrs. Finch's eyes grew as large as eggs. She checked both her wrists and spat, Give it back, you thief! Lucy and Mac both laughed as Monterey gave the bracelet back to Mrs. Finch. You see, ma'am, while I am young, I'm very practiced. I've been able to lighten many men's and women's pockets and purses throughout the territory. Never caught, never jailed. I assure you I'm the best pickpocket you could hope to have on whatever this quest is. Mac turned and looked at his young friend. Then you're joined? Let's not get ahead of ourselves, he said, sitting back in his chair. I still don't know what you need me to do. Well, you're quite sure of yourself, Mrs. Finch said. Mrs. Finch... Max says you need a pickpocket. I've not known him to be wrong about what it takes to pull off a caper of any size. If he says you need me, you need me. But I don't want to be where I'm not wanted. And as I said, it's been a long while since I've been a professional thief. I'm not trying to chart a new course for my life. Monterey noticed Lucy hide a smile as Max slapped Monterey soundly on the back. In that case, let us fill you in, my friend. I assure you the cause is just... The plan's solid, and you will not have to compromise an ounce of your sensibilities. Though he smiled on the outside, he silently kicked himself for not leaving a full minute before he saw Lucy. Max straightened himself in his chair, smiled mischievously, and said, Wait till you hear.
So to be honest, this is the chapter where my daughter actually starts getting interested because there's maybe, I'm not gonna promise anything, but there's maybe a love interest as uh, Monterey meets Lucy. Lucy, I was, I've, in previous episodes, I've talked about how everybody got named and um, you know, Good and Gulch is named after the maiden name of my mom's mother. Uh, uh, Max Sutherland comes from like the, this, well, Mac and Monterey actually come from some of the stupidest ways to come up with a name. But I think one of the fun things about all of this is finding out how creativity works. And um, sometimes you're just sitting at an intersection with a Mack truck behind you and a Sutherland's lumber yard in front of you and you got a shuffle name. Um, but Lucy has uh, always been a name that I've wanted to name somebody, probably because uh, early in life I was introduced to the Chronicles of Narnia and sort of the hero slash heroine amongst the four children is Lucy. And I think I would just always uh, like that name. My wife's family, when she was younger, they called her Lucy. So there's that connection. And then there is a, a movie that my wife and I love. Maybe we shouldn't, but we do. Called While You Were Sleeping. It's it's a it's not like the best movie you're ever gonna see, but it is one that we can watch all the time and have yet to get sick of it. it it's just delightful. But the lead character, Sandra Bullock, plays uh, this uh, person who's also named Lucy. So who knows uh, why I picked the name Lucy, but those are some some ideas. Um, but uh, I needed some kind of hook uh, to uh, bring him into the story, uh, the adventure that he's going to be on. Clearly, uh, Monterey doesn't want to pickpocket anymore. Clearly, there's been some kind of falling out between he and uh, Mac. But, you know, guys will do a lot of a lot of dumb things just to impress a girl. So uh, I thought this would be a good way to do that. And uh, so there you go. Um, I'm also a fan of heist films. And so um, having him do a little sleight of hand, showing off of his uh, pickpocketing skills for Mrs. Finch was also nice. Um, I've also just, you know, things that, that go in my mind. If I don't know, <clears throat> like when you listen to somebody talk on the radio, you have an image of what they look like and you're often disappointed with what they look like. Um, but then um, when you're writing a character, sometimes you get an image in your mind as to what this character looks like. And it's, you know, I've had conversations with other people about, oh yeah, my Max Sutherland looks uh, like Tom Hanks in The Lady Killers. And uh, they go, no, that's not at all <laughs> what he looks like. But in my mind, Mrs. Finch always looks like Frau Blucher from Young Frankenstein, uh, played by Cloris Leachman. So. In case you're wondering what goes on in my brain when I'm writing, uh, there you go. Uh, but I hope you're enjoying the story. I would I would enjoy hearing uh, how you're enjoying uh, the book, how you uh, have enjoyed the book, if you've already read it, or enjoying this podcast or any number of things. You can leave ratings, reviews, that kind of thing at all the places that you do that. I've got links in the show notes for that. Uh, if we're not uh, regularly talking to one another, and by that I mean uh, that you are a part of my uh, reader group on uh, my website, I would uh, humbly request uh, that you jump over there. I'm going to give you uh, a free story just for signing up. 
and uh, that way you can stay engaged with uh, things that are in and around uh, what I write, uh, but also find out, you know, like what's going on uh, with the fam and that kind of thing. So I would enjoy getting to connect with you further. So check those things out. And until next week, I hope you have a good one.